When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. We're on our third performance uh, of the week. Hamstrings are going to be fragile out there today. Tempers are probably going to be frayed. I'm joined by man like Matt Candela. Matt Candela, how are you doing today? Uh, very good, very good. Well, good to be here on the pod talking to you about all things Arsenal, but there's a lot to digest with uh, with the last 90 minutes that we've seen and... Uh, I think uh, we were just saying before we started, is apathy back? Is it creeping in? And have we just got a slow uh, slow death for the next seven games or so until the end of the season? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, w- I was angry after Palace, seething after the Brighton game. Today, I'm just like, like this, this, is, this is it. Like This we're, is our season now. This is a, an Emery collapse is on the way, my friend. We're just bleeding out on the floor right now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. And, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into... Well, we might as well just get into the hottest takes. And we're going to go to Matt Candela for the hottest take. What is your hottest take? Because I've um, I've got a specific one today. What do you think? Look, my hottest take was you have to look at it. We're now at the point of the season where uh, 
the games that are competitors for top four or top six or whatever the hell we're competing for now are as interesting and as important as our own. And I watched the Spurs game. It's the first time I've actually watched 90 minutes of, of, of Spurs. And from the outside, I've, I've been under the illusion that they are on a tear, that they're a team in form and that there's nothing we can do to stop them get fourth. And I watched them and they were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. And I know maybe that was not their usual performance, but you know, you watch that game, you watch Brighton get a 90th minute winner and it was impossible not to think that we were given a lifeline. We were given a lifeline and if we won today, we had a real opportunity to fight till the end for top four. Not saying we'll get it, but we had an opportunity to fight. And so to go from that, and I was absolutely buzzing after the game, so excited for our game to start, and to end up where we are now with hopes dashed is just really, really depressing. And I think, what more motivation does this team need than seeing Spurs lose to a 90th minute winner at home and, and they we, were terrible. We 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 lacked drive. We lacked a determination. No one wanted to step up and win the game for Arsenal. And people can say that's harsh or it's about quality or it's all about this. But we needed to grab this game by the scruff of the neck, and we didn't. And Tottenham are laughing. Uh, and 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 it's 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 I'm depressed basically. Yeah, my my hottest take is I feel like the footballing gods have looked at the way Arteta has behaved this season and they slapped him in the face. And the last three games, which, you know, there are no easy games in the Premier League. You know, I think last night, last week, there was a bit of an overreaction to losing to Brighton. Like they're, you know, some sort of yeah terrible, terrible team. They completely controlled Spurs today. Harry, you know, Spurs didn't have a shot on target. There are, But those are three games where we should be taking seven points at a minimum. And if we'd taken seven points, top four would be wrapped up right now. But um, a lot of this is Arteta's doing. You know, I, I, I was talking to someone during the game. The starting 11 that we played there today, if you played that against Palace, Brighton and Southampton, I think we would have got seven points. The team was, um, the team was balanced. Um, you know, we were in control most of the day. It was We were a little bit rusty. It wasn't a bad performance today. And I don't think that... You know, there was there was a, a there was effort out there. Just didn't go for us. They you know they 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 hooked a ball over the top. They scored a a, a worldy goal. They had one chance all game, and we didn't take our chances. But I think the the big lesson for Arteta is you've got to use your squad. Thought Sambi Lukonga was good today. Tavares, I, I still can't understand why Arteta had such a vitriolic reaction to his rusty performances because he was decent out there today. I thought Eddie showed um, that there can be a different dimension to our attack when you have pace. He had absolutely zero service out there today, but just having someone that can use their pace, but nothing, you know, it it didn't fully click. And Arteta treats people badly. And I think the chickens have come home to, to roost Pep uses his squad. Klopp uses his squad. The best managers lean into their squad, so when they need them, they're ready. And when Arteta needed to lean into his squad after the Crystal Palace game, his squad wasn't ready. And he deserves this. You know, he he absolutely deserves this. And now he is rightfully under pressure. People are in the comments section saying, this is like Emery, you've got to call it out. This 
this is this is an Emery-like collapse, and it's probably going to get worse because Chelsea are going to absolutely rip us on on Wednesday night uh, because there's no confidence in the system. But this is this is karmic forces. If you treat people badly, if you don't respect that the squad is more than eleven players, you get into trouble, and we're in trouble. And I, I'm I'm with you. I'm it's apathy now. This is like ah okay. We haven't turned a leaf. This is this is Arsenal, and uh, our, the buck stops with Arteta. And it's what? not. And just one last thing. It's not an effort thing. I really hate it when I read around and it's like, oh, the players didn't put in the effort. They didn't care. No one stepped up for sure. But like, let's not. Let's not say there was an effort out there today. We, we, you know, we battered Southampton in the second half. We controlled the first half, which was always going to be difficult. Just one of those games. But it's the bigger picture for me. It's not just this Southampton result. Yeah, I mean, uh, difficult to agree with any of it. And I think, you know, what's important is I've been getting a variety of WhatsApp Arsenal groups and messages from a variety of people. And um, and there are still people making excuses uh, and saying, you know, the injuries and no strikers and this and this and that. But, you know, we've just played Brighton, Palace and Southampton. It's about it's three of the easiest games you're going to get in the Premier League, and I know there's no easy games, but all those all those all those elements within it, like not having a striker, we haven't got a striker because we've made those decisions not to have a striker. It's not like it's just happened to us. It's we started the season with Lacazette and Obama Yang last season. Pepe scored 10, 15 goals. You know, we we had opportunities to strengthen in January. The fact that we wasted every opportunity. We shipped off Aubameyang and, you know, rightly or wrongly, I don't know. Um, it looked like a great idea and now it, looked like a ter- now it looks like a terrible idea. So uh, we, 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 the, the, the excuses have, have got to stop. It, it, this, this, it's, it's just terrible where we're at. Yeah, but we, but we, have, we have Eddie Nketiah who's been sitting on the bench. And it's like we just decided that we were just going to go one striker from from December and not give him any minutes at all. And it's like, how many times have we learned uh, that, you know, when you give certain players minutes, they get better? Like Cedric is in the Portuguese squad now. Um, you know, we thought he was a complete write-off because he got given minutes. Erdegaard only came good because he got given minutes from January uh, through October. And even in October, people were saying that Erdegaard wasn't good. Like Eddie should be getting minutes. Tavares should have been getting minutes. Sambi Lekonga absolutely should have been getting minutes. I thought he was really good today. And instead, Sambi Lekonga gets pushed out of the team. And then he sits on the bench for two months doing nothing. And then we wonder why it's difficult for him to sort of ease his way back into the game. But if you'd uh, if we'd rotated him in and out and given him more than 10 minutes here and there, maybe we'd be... Well, I don't, I don't even think it's a maybe. We would be better prepared right now. And... Um, this isn't an excuse. This is this is Arteta. This is how he decided to manage the team. And the chickens are coming home to roost. If you don't treat your squad well, your squad won't treat you well when you need them the most. And this this weird idea that we were going to go to the end of the season without injuries, it's so naive. And you're like, why hasn't Arteta got anyone around him with the experience to say, Mikel, you're not very good with people. I'm going to take care of some of this. You know, like Brian Clough, I think he had Peter Taylor. Brian Clough was the beast. Peter Taylor was the arm around the shoulder, the guy that would try and like, like rough out the edges, uh, as it will, sand down the edges. Like Arteta just seems to, it's him. It's, and if his decisions aren't good, there's, there isn't anyone around him. And it's just, it's just like, you know, we're, we're paying the price of just, you know, having a, a king 
You know, yeah. Arsene Wenger like king in the system again. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, is the psychological aspect of what's happening at the moment. Because, and I think you said it last week, and I, and I think it's a great quote, which is, things are never as good as you think they are, and they're never as bad as you think they are. And right now, you know, we are, we're, we're on our knees. We've lost three games, but a quick look at the league table tells a completely different story. A quick look at the league table tells us that we're three points behind Tottenham with a game in hand. And if we had any any real metal about us, we would not be thinking that the season is over. We would be thinking there's still an opportunity to, 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 to move. We would be looking at today with 10 minutes to go and thinking, even if we just get a point, it's a good point because it's making up a point on fourth. But the reality as Arsenal fans is that we all knew the moment that that Palace game had ended, that our season had ended. We, we, we all knew it. And, and I want to get your perspective on why this meant after three years, we can't do anything about the injuries. We can't do anything about that. But the same mental fragility that has dogged Arsenal for a decade and a half has reared its ugly head. And I, this is as fragile mentally as I've seen Arsenal. I, I don't know. Um, I, like, I think sometimes we, I think sometimes we lean into um, intangibles in moments like this. Like the 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 Palace game was was dimness. We gifted them goals. We had the better. We had we had more chances against Palace than we did against Aston Villa, which we all thought was a great performance, and we didn't take them. The um, the Brighton game. I don't think it was mental fragility. I think it was bad, a bad tactical plan. But again, like Brighton score off two worldies after not scoring for a long time and we didn't take our chances. And again today, like all the luck has gone against us in these last three games. And I, I, I do think we're missing four, four first team players um, today. It's not an excuse, but I think people tend to forget that in the mix. I just think it's... Um, I think it's Arteta. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think there's mental fragility in the group of players. I think Arteta just hasn't managed his squad well, and that's on him. So, uh, like, I, I think we've got a great young squad of players. I think you know, regardless of whether Arteta was here or not, a manager coming in to this system would be licking their lips. Um, and uh, you know, I think if we have a good summer, we can you know we'll move forward again. But. We're not going to move forward if Arteta doesn't lean into his squad next season. We're not going to move forward if Arteta is bad with people. Because it's like, you know, this, Jose Mourinho was bad with people. Not the, Mourinho wasn't really bad with people. He, you know, he would bully and he would pick on individuals. But every time he bullied on, you know, picked on Joe Cole or picked on one matter at Man United, at Chelsea, he always had the answer. So it's like, oh wow, you're being mean to this player. It's like, yeah, you're being mean to this player, but where am I? I'm winning, I'm winning the league. I'm winning the Champions League. I'm winning cups. Arteta doesn't have the um the receipts for some of the behavior. You know, Tom Tommy Yasu has been out for four months now. Four and a half months. Where has he gone? And the reason that he's gone is because Arteta didn't rotate him. Then he rushed him back. Cedric could have been rotated in through December and we would have been absolutely fine. Thomas Partey, he's played all the games. We know that he's fragile. Why did he have to play all the games? Sambula Conga has shown that he's more than capable of running the midfield 
in certain types of games. You know, maybe he's not a Chelsea um, starter, but he can certainly do it against Southampton. He can certainly do it against um, Brighton. And then Kieran Tierney, you know that he's going to break, but we played him every single game until he broke. It's stupid. It's just it's just dim management. And uh, like that's where the, the, the big worry comes from me with, you know, Arteta's got good ideas. Um, we're still in the top four race. So obviously it has the capability of working. Um, but the execution and how you how you make that work across an entire season doesn't look like it's a tool that he's got in his box at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we went through this pretty painful period of getting rid of players who he'd fallen out with, essentially. You know, the Gwenduzis, the Obama Yangs, there's a certain type of player that doesn't fit with Arteta. And that's sort of okay in one perspective, because what you hope is that once you've... The idea was that we'd cleared all this dead wood out and then... And now we've got like a team of willing young players who will buy into Arteta's system. But the problem is, it feels like more and more players, even the ones that he's bringing in, he's falling out with. You know, he's falling out with... I mean, the Tavares thing is... I cannot believe that Tavares and Arteta have a good relationship now. I find that really, 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 really difficult to 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 comprehend. And you know, it's he just keeps falling out with people. It, it's it, it, he has to he has to figure this out. But I mean, he can't have a personality transplant that doesn't really exist. And so, you know, you look at some of those decisions, and I don't want to hark back on this, but. And, and, and I'm interested to get your perspective, but we would do anything for a Gwendouzi right now. And I know he's had problems behind the scenes, but replacing Gwendouzi for, with Lukonga is not progress, in my opinion. It just isn't. It's, it's, I think Gwendouzi's a, a better player. He's more, he, he's more advanced. A in better player than who? Than Lukonga. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. There's only one player. Is, is a is a is a is a bit part of squad player low on confidence. There's there's only one player that when I mention it to anybody at Arsenal that there is a visceral reaction. They're like no 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 no. <laughs> they hate him. He was he was horrible to the staff. The players couldn't stand him. Like Gwen, I'm glad that Gwendozi's having a, a good season, but I think he soiled himself so badly at Arsenal. It, it was impossible for him to come back. Um, but. And but but this is the thing. It's like when Arteta is falling out with Tavares, and then then these questions are are raised, and um, you know, and and every decision is challenged. You know, I, the Saliba ultras will be out in force. Why couldn't Saliba be part of that back three? Ben White and Gabriel again, not looking great. Well, this um, is it. This is games, it. You right? look at what we did in the summer, and I, look, I, I've been broadly broadly pleased with it but you look at the fact that we spent however much 70 million on Ben White and Lukonga and we had Saliba and Gwendouzi and you have to go was that the best use of 70 million of funds or could we have played those two players and spent it on spent it elsewhere you know you have to ask these questions now because as Arsene Wenger used to say judge me in May well it's nearly May and it's now a better time to judge and all the decisions that have happened over the course of the last 12 months and some of them are not looking are not looking great decisions right now. Ben White has what has happened to his form over the last three games? He's fallen off a cliff. They, uh, we we signed a centre back that could uh, could break the lines and run through midfield. 
He doesn't do it. <laughs> no, he takes he, he takes too long on the ball. It's been ponderous. Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's fallen off a cliff. Gabriel and um, Aaron Ramsdale doesn't have the same aura about him at the moment. He looked invincible earlier on in the season. Goalkeeping coaches obviously got to him, but it's um it it, it feels everything feels a little bit muted at the moment, and um I I I, I am concerned now that. We're in a spiral of death already, but the spiral of death, you know, what our next few games, Chelsea, West Ham, United, you know, it's, uh, it could get, it could get a lot worse for us. And six, six losses on the bounce, difficult to, uh, difficult to rescue yourself from that. And that's a realistic proposition right now, because I can't see where the points are coming from. What would you, what's your, if, if Arteta lost six in a row, would you, Change your perspective on Arteta. Um, yeah, I mean, l- listen, uh, Arteta has done a good job so far this season. You know, we are still in the race for top four. Antonio Conte just lost to Brighton. You know, a lot of criticism um, about Arteta last week for doing the same thing. Antonio Conte couldn't deal with the fact that his superstar, Harry Kane, was marked out the game by Basuma. Um but three games, three game, the, losing three games when the pressure is on is not is not a good sign. Um, his squad management has been questionable, and I, I don't know I don't know where he goes. Like because if he loses, you know, if it gets to five games lost on the bounce, then the fan fan perspective will start to turn. You know, like what's the atmosphere going to be like in the stadium going into it? Like Arteta is, you know, he these dis, these issues that we're having now. I know that there are like I, I think that if you looked at the performances from a neutral perspective, we all of our luck has run out. Nothing's going in, and everything is going in at the other end. That hasn't been the case all season. Yeah, uh, you know, our goalkeeper has stepped up. Um, we th- we just haven't been conceding like we have at the moment, but it doesn't matter. Good managers find a way to get through these games, and you know the. I don't know. I would. I would like to get your perspective on this because it's it's very difficult to watch Arsenal when they're playing like this and have any sort of objective opinion. But the one thing that I can't stand about Arteta systems is there isn't. There's there's just that there's a there's a good solid fourth gear that we play in. Sometimes we drop into third, but there's 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 not a fifth gear. And it's, you know, it's telling that we're not very good at coming back from going a goal down. And I know generally in the Premier League, first goal is the most important. But coming out for the second half, I know we did better. And I know we created enough chances. And I know Forster made a lot of saves. But it's still, you know, it didn't feel like a... Wenger used to go for a game and we would absolutely rattle the opposition's goal. We'd have six, seven shots on target. Like... A, like, I think there's one game where we've done that all season, and that was maybe two, and bizarrely, which is Spurs at home, where I think we came out of the traps after and, and just absolutely went for the jugular. I think Spurs were very poor that day as well. I think the other game where, where we took the handbrake off a little bit, for want of a better word, is against City at home, where I really yeah, felt like we were aggressive and on the front foot and prepared to take risks. And, you know, that sort of like Liverpool-style confidence about, about us. But other than that, I agree. And, you know, this is the other problem with judging it. Like, I think we've scored 43 goals all season. That is, 
that's not a lot of goals. <laughs> and, you know, and if you take out, you know, five against Norwich or whatever, four against Leeds, then, you know, against two teams who were on their knees with COVID and relegate, a relegation fodder, basically, you know, then you're at 35 goals, 35 goals all season. And that's playing once a week, once a week, and you only get 35 goals. And you've got Sackers, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Erdegaard, and you break it down. And you go, even when we, it was 1 0 to the Arsenal and George Graham and whatever, Ian Wright would get 30 goals. So, it would, yeah. So you look at it and you just go, we as a group of people have, I think, I think we've been really, really, really flexible about how we judge progress and what we see and what we do. But at the end of the day, and I think the fans in the stadium have been incredible, incredibly patient, incredibly nurturing to this young team. But at the end of the day, people go to football to watch Arsenal, watch Arsenal win and watch Arsenal score goals. And 35 goals, but broadly speaking, is, is you know, that's that's cutting cutting the data in a certain way. But... That's not enough goal threat, not enough opportunities. And we can say, oh, it's because of the striker, it's because of this, it's because of that. But we're just not, you know, we 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 have had attacking coherency, as Johnny Johnny called it, for a, a few weeks. But, you know, it's it's we've got to figure that out because the fans need to see it. And the fans won't stay on board all that long if we are not a team that scores goals. Because part of being an Arsenal fan in our Arsenal DNA, you know, especially in the post-Wenger years, but even before that, is about scoring goals. And watching football when you don't think you can score goals. Did anyone genuinely think we were going to score two goals today once we went a goal down? I think I tweeted, no. I said, there is no. not one chance. Our only way of winning today was to was a scrappy 1-0. That was the shithouse of 1-0. That was the only way we were going to get anything today. And so the fact that we don't have the belief in the system that we can score two goals against Southampton you know, I remember in the uh, even even in the the banter years of Arsenal Wenger, if you were two 0 down, there was still a chance that you could you could you could win it three two. There, there was still a chance. Now you go a goal down, you're just scraping for a one all. So you know, and, and but you know, it, it, it is interesting that you know we're talking about like the the scoring goals is a massive problem, and not having a goal scoring striker is it, it has been problematic. But the statistics of the second half. Uh, we had 19 shots in the second half, um, four on target. Like it, it was the four on target is a problem. Martinelli doesn't score goals. <laughs> Martin Erdegaard can't hit the target. You know, like a, it was it was a second half battering. You know, and we 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 should have we should have done better. But here's here's the key statistic: zero big chances. So it's all it's all kind of aimless, and it's a I, you know. We're in season. We're in season two uh, of not being able to score goals, and you, you do have to look at the summer. It's like this was the same problem that we had last season, and actually our defense. I, I, I know, like you know, twenty five percent of the goals that we've conceded uh, have come from four games, and we've had thirteen clean sheets. But the defense has not looked good. For for a, for a chunk of this year, so it's all, all of these problems are all coming at the same time, and it's like, well, what what is Arteta going to do to move forward? Because it feels like we're moving back into that low margins, that low margins football that we had when we first started, but we don't have the equipment to deliver it. 
We don't well, have low margins players. The one thing I'd say also, because I've seen one of the big excuses that I've heard from everyone is, yeah, but you know, what can we do? We haven't got a striker. We haven't got a striker. That's that's what I've consistently heard. And it's like, well, we do. We've got we've got like we've got a ton of offensive players that a lot of other clubs would 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 give their their back teeth to have. The reality of Lacazette is Lacazette is a proven Premier League player who whatever we the way we have managed him, whatever has happened to him, he's now a cart horse. Pepe was a player who I'm not a huge Pepe fan at all, but the one thing he's got is end product. Again, we've managed to completely eradicate any end product from him. Obama Yang was one of the best strikers in Europe, has had a tough time, but again, we've just he's gone away and I and 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 you look at it now and it's like you know, and I know he missed a, you know, Mr. 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 Big He still scored 10 goals since January. And again, I'm not saying he should have stayed. I'm just saying it's not just, it's about getting goals out of the system. And at the moment, we turn anything in our system, we, we turn them, if, if they were getting 10 goals or 15 goals or 15 assists, we have managed to turn the dial back down on all of them to basically get zero out of any of them. And, you know, the whole point of having a week between games of being a great coach, that's what we heard. Look at Sterling. Look at what he does for him. Martinelli's been under him for two years. If Martinelli had potential to be a number nine, I'd like to be seeing it by now because Thierry Henry arrived as a left winger and had an iffy start for four months, but then he played against Leeds in the November of that month, scored two goals, and he was off to the races. And in training, he, he trained him up to do it. So... You know, if you can't, this, this, we're not dealing with academy products. We're dealing with players who... 80, 90 grand a week players. And, and who have done it over the years. It's not like they've never done it. Do we know if this player has got it in him to score 10 plus Premier League goals? We know Lacazette's done it before. He was our player of the season. We know Pepe's done it before. You don't turn into a bad player. We know Obama Young's done it before. And to get such little return out of all of those strikers you can't you, eventually it's like what's the common denominator you can't keep blaming all those individual players you have to look at your system your management style your training your motivation the way you get the ball to them all of those things and go what why is why why are we so poor from an attacking standpoint well, it's it's from a finishing standpoint, isn't it? Mostly, but I, I agree with you. It's like, l- listen, I, I, Aubameyang uh, is uh, like, I just think he 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 was done with the system, and I don't think he could ever be the striker that Arteta needed. The big question was, Arteta must have known that he wasn't going to be a physical monster that he needed in the system. So why give him that massive deal? That was completely, you know, I understand that in the moment that they made the decision based on emotion. But you should never have signed him. Lacazette has just not been fit for purpose for quite a, a long time. But he did do a really good job. But I'm I'm with you. It's like there there are solutions in the system. If if your main striker is not scoring goals, then you've got to find someone that can. And Gabriel Martinelli is a was a real threat in the air when he first broke under uh, Emery. Why can't he be a threat in the air now? You know he's 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 uh, five foot eleven. He could have done a job. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe, like if you truly believe in him as a false nine, what's the difference between Lacazette 
as a false nine and Smith Rowe as a false nine, except Smith Rowe can actually score goals. It's like, but he, like Arteta has always over relied on experienced players and he's, he's so risk averse. But I think Arsene Wenger would have had Gabriel Martinelli through the middle by now. I've, or he would have um, he would have prioritized somebody that could score goals over somebody that couldn't, and um, you know like the, he's he's a very um, risk averse manager across the board, isn't he? That's why he doesn't rotate players. That's why he doesn't um, do truly creative things uh, in the attack. And it's like two seasons in, and we've still got a problem scoring goals. Like is is this just is this just the problem for Arteta? Is Arteta like a, a more luxurious version of Graham Potter? Because Graham Potter has uh, you know similar issues at Brighton. You know con- he can control a game, but he can't finish it off. And both of them have exactly the same sort of style of football as well. Yeah, but Brighton Brighton looked uh, more scary going forward than Arsenal today. You know, yeah, that's and, the, and what's the difference? The... What's the young player? I can't even remember the, uh, the the name of the guy who scored the goal against Tottenham today. But you know, I just feel like Potter has an ability to find us to find different solutions. You know, you can you can go on a run of, of poor games, but you know, you, he'll he'll bring a player through, and there'll be a chance. And I just feel like, yeah, we 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 missed the window. And and for me, there was there was especially a moment with Pepe when Pepe came on, had that great cameo and had come back from the African Cup of Nations where he'd been fantastic. And there was an opportunity to reintegrate him into the squad and give him minutes. And he came on with that amazing cameo and then didn't get anywhere near the team again for a while. And if you're a player, you must just be like, what the hell was going on? If I do that and then I can't, Get a, you know, get a starting position. There's no competition for places. You know, it's 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 depressing. It is, yeah, it is. It is depressing, and it's. Um, I think that you said it maybe la- last year. It's uh, you know, like Arteta has all of the tools in the toolkit. Like people saying that he's not a good coach. It's like uh, people lose their minds in the comments after games. It's a terrible coach. You know, everything's awful. Everything is not. Awful. You do have to like put perspective. Arteta has made a lot of players a lot better. The squad that we have is a lot more valuable than it was. We are still in the top four race, whether you want to believe it or not. From a points perspective, it's it's still in our hands, and you know, it, 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 by miracle we could do it. You never know. But the um, there are just some certain things that he's lacking, and it's like I do think if you truly want to be a a world class leader in anything you've got to be a bit more humble you've got to be a little bit more um forgiving you've got to, you've got to, you've got to sand down those transactional uh, instincts that you have and i think if you want to be a top premier league manager you have to you have to be less risk averse you know all the great managers over the last uh, 15 years take chances pep guardiola takes chances on you know, wild systems. He puts players, uh, gets players doing things that you didn't think were possible. Jurgen Klopp takes risks um, in every single game. And I, I, like, I, I just feel like the, the the back half of this season uh, has been uh, like Arteta de-risking in every game. And I wonder whether that sort of 
that lack of risk. You know, like if you create a culture that is about a lack of risk, like if you're running a space agency, everything is about safety. So you want to encourage people to like go above and beyond for safety because the rocket ship could blow up. Just wonder if in football, when you are so anti-risk and so anti-mistakes and then your behavior is to hook someone after 30 minutes because of mistakes, whether that feeds into the attacking system. Because um, no one lost the ball more under Arsene Wenger than Alexis Sanchez. He's always losing the ball. Like, uh, you know, his pass completion rate was like 55% in a game because he's always taking chances. Arteta would never have an Alexis Sanchez in his team. No. I mean, Pep Guardiola didn't. And it's like, uh, like we, we have to have these sort of robotic, perfect players. I don't know whether we'll ever have the money to, to have the ability to sign footballers like Manchester City. And it's like, we're trying to move to that Man City model with, with less budget. And I, I just... I just wish we'd be a bit more risk-focused. Like, what would Saka be like if he was let loose? What would Erdegaard be like if um, he was given a bit more permission to, to take risks? Um, and what would Martinelli be like? Maybe Martinelli's not the same player that he was because he, he has had to find more control in his system and maybe he's lost a bit of edge to his game. And that's why we're not seeing the goals that we thought we'd see. Well, the biggest thing for me, and I think this 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 really goes to the heart of it, is there's different aspects to being a great manager or, or, or a great leader. And the one thing that worries me about Arteta is, and, and I remember it was an original interview with Paul Merson after Arsene Wenger had come in and they were asking, Paul Merson was on a great form, got sold late at the end of the year, but he was on great form at the time. And they asked him, they said, what is it about Arsene Wenger that you know has changed Arsenal's fortunes so much? And he said, oh, he, he gives us unbelievable belief. And it became a thing, you know, unbelievable belief. And I think that great coaches provide players with the belief that they can go on, go out there and beat anyone and do anything. And they do it in different ways. And some is the 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 the, the human aspect. Some is, you know, by leading by example. Mourinho always had that. Klopp has got it. Guardiola's got it. And they all lean into different skills that they all have, but fundamentally they're all brilliant at conveying a sense of belief to their players. And the biggest thing for me is I don't believe that young players, especially, I think that young players especially need someone to put their arm around their shoulder, to pump them up and to make them feel like they're unstoppable. They're unbeatable. And that's the piece that I don't understand about Mikel Arteta because he doesn't, for me, go out there and make these young players puff up their chest and feel unstoppable. And I think one of the biggest examples of that was, was his narrative and his quotes around Tavares this week, where he undermined him. He made him feel like shit, in my opinion, from, what, from, from reading that. Certainly, if my manager was talking about me and I read those quotes, I would feel like he's running me over in the street. What he should be saying is, Nuno's a brilliant young player. We have every confidence in him. He's going to be a star at this club. Mark my words. And he's going to come back from this stronger and expect to see him put in a man of the match performance on Saturday. And then it's all very well to say that and then sell him in the summer. Give him away on a free transfer. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But what you've got to do is you've got to say it. You've got to build them up. You've got to get the most out of them when you need them. 
And then you can figure it out afterwards in the same way that Arsene Wenger made Paul Merson a star and sold it, and he went to Borough at the end of the year. You know, it's, it's, just the way it, it's just the way it goes. So I don't see enough of that pumping up players, making them feel good. And especially now when you can see they're young, they're questioning themselves. They haven't been in this situation before. And, um, and, 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 and we need more of that. Yeah, the uh, Arsene Wenger was um, always brilliant and it always sounded delusional, but he would always pump his players. And uh, I, I, you know, I saw the press conference as well. And, and the, the Nuno Tavares thing is—it's uh, almost like he doesn't like him. <laughs> you know, like you're you're watching it. But we we had the same um, at the start of his tenure. You know, Smith Rowe came into the side. Everyone had been telling Arteta to put Smith Rowe in the side. He gets in the side and he's doing well. And his um, instinct is to, to 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 tamp him down a little bit versus uh let him fly and yeah you know we have we have got a young squad and i i i wonder you know if all of those like what what does the nuno press conference do for everybody else because those press conferences are for the players they're not really for the fans they're for the players so they understand what's going on with the manager week in week out and when you don't pump players that deserve to be pumped um I wonder if everybody else gossips about it. I mean, I, I know that players will definitely gossip um, about the manager, but it's even with Sambi Conga. I haven't heard him talk much about Sambi Conga over the last um, over the last few weeks. He actually rarely goes into individuals, and I know some managers have. Um, you know, certain clubs are like, you know, we never talk about the individual; we talk about the team. It's the sum of the parts. Um, but Arteta, you know, Arteta has never said that that publicly, and I wonder how he gets out of this now because confidence is going to be on the floor, and Chelsea are not the team, and Stamford Bridge is not the place that you want to go when confidence is on the floor. And I don't see, I I don't feel like there's the potential for an upset now. You know, I no. it's 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 like those the, the latter Wenger years where it's like, well, if we don't get pumped by more than three. We can come away from it, and that'll be a good game. And then we get pumped by five. But that's how I feel going into this game, and I, I, it's not it's not a good place to be. Well, we desperately need a home game next. You know, going and playing an away game now is just not not where we want to be. And I I feel like if we had another week, and then we were playing, we we're just playing Man United or whoever it is we've got next at home. I think then you sort of look at that and you go. Um, I think the fans will get behind the team, and I think they'll give them a boost, and they'll know they need it. But uh, without that going away, I mean, Chelsea are the worst team in the league for us to be playing. Other than Liverpool and City are, would be worse because they have to win every single game. But it doesn't get much worse than Chelsea. And Chelsea don't like us. And they're going to enjoy putting the kids to the sword, you know, 3-0, 4-0, you know. And it's going to be that we're going to, we're going to put a lot of exertion into the game. We're going to get very little out. And then that's going to put us on the back foot for the next game. And we haven't really talked about it, but one of the things, when you look over the years at solid teams who have been given a week to prepare for every game, we have underachieved massively versus all of them. Leicester won the league. Chelsea won the league. Now, I'm not saying we should be winning winning the league, but it's difficult to see how we've taken advantage of having a longer break versus all of the competitive, all of, all of our key competitors, and how we've gone into games with a tactical plan or a freshness 
you know, we should be going and smashing teams in the first 20 when they've been playing midweek games and trying to, or at least getting late goals when they tire. But I haven't seen any benefit of it but at I, all. I think, I, think you would, I think you would be saying a different thing if the last three games had seven points. And that's the difference, isn't it? Like yeah. if, it, and I, I, the, 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 the most disappointing thing about writing about, you know, when you write about Arsenal, I don't mind writing that our season blew up because Man City smashed us. I don't mind if it's Liverpool, I don't mind if it's Chelsea. I don't even mind if our season hinged on a Spurs Cup final and Harry Kane scored a hat-trick against us and we couldn't handle it. But when you when your season ends because you didn't manage the uh, a Crystal Palace tactic that they do to every team, you, you didn't you didn't play you played Granite Jacker at left back against Brighton and then you got you got you know like Southampton were lucky I don't care what anybody says that wasn't a bad performance today we dominated them we just was one of those days that happens in sport but those three games that's the thing where you look back you know whenever when this season's all said and done these are the three games that cost us top four and it, it it's inexcusable it it really is like I maybe I could take a loss against Crystal Palace. Um, but the other two, it's I mean, just... Uh, the other thing that really kills me is when you've been watching football a long time, you know that the reality is we're not going to lose every game till the end of the season. No, Spurs are going dro- to drop points. Yeah. We'll probably have a decent run last three or four games because we normally do. That was what we did last season. It put a bit of a band-aid on the season, to be honest. And, and we'll look back and when we're... I think we can we can pretty much, uh, with all certainty, say we're not going to get fourth. But we're not going to be 10 points off fourth. We're going to be like three points off fourth come the end yeah. of the season. And we'll look back at these three games and go, we just needed to win one of them. We didn't need to win all three. We just needed to have won one. And yeah. we couldn't do it. And that's the piece when I talk about the psychology, around understanding like the way a whole season pans out. You know, we, we we didn't need to play, and I think you said we didn't need to play Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney against Crystal Palace because the the media make it all feel like we're in the final furlong of the season and all this. It's a we had a quarter of the season left to play. We had ten games. That's 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 a quarter of the season, not final couple of games before it all gets wrapped up. And we didn't look at it like that. We didn't. We thought we were almost there over the line. You saw the the players and the and the fans after Villa. And we didn't, we didn't, we don't have the, I mean, that part of that is experience. We didn't realise that there's a long, long way to go in this. And, and you, you know, we could have managed the Crystal Palace game. You know, the Crystal Palace fly out, uh, out of the traps. You've got to manage the first 40 minutes. Don't give away any dumb free kicks. Arsenal gave away dumb free kicks. We didn't manage the first 40 minutes. But a squad, you're, you can lean into your squad to manage the first 40 minutes of just having nine at the back. You can manage that. Nuno Tavares can do that. Sam Conga can do that. And then if you need to chase the game in the second half, when Crystal Palace are tired, then you bring on Tierney. Then you bring on Thomas Party. Like, the idea that we let Thomas Party come back from, uh, from Africa after, you know, being part of the team that took Ghana to the World Cup and put him straight in the side. It's it's so stupid. And Kieran Tierney. Well, you, well, just let's just even talk about it a bit more because that wasn't the first time that he's done that. Because the first time, Party got off a plane in the morning, in the morning, the, the Liverpool game, right? the Liverpool game, 
and then came in to play the same day as getting a long flight and got sent off in outside two minutes. And, and you've got to look at that and go, all right, I've learned from my mistake. To then go and repeat the mistake again, that's where you got to, you know, that's where we talk about the definition of madness is doing the same thing again and expecting a different result. We keep making the same mistakes over and over again. That's where, that, that's, that's where I get, um, that's where I'm a little bit, um, I, that's why I'm worried uh, about Arteta because the, like it, when you talk about Thomas Party, go back even further when we brought him back early from injury and we basically cost ourselves an entire season because uh, he came back. It's, um, it's a big problem. And you know, that comes from not having strength around you. That comes from being the, the almighty alpha male in a dressing room and not listening to people that are more experienced than you, or alternatively, which I suspect is more true, not hiring people that challenge you. You know, you've seen the age of Arteta's coaching staff, they're children. You know, they're all about 25 years old. There's a reason that he has 25-year-old coaching staff, and it's because he wants to be the lone voice in the dressing room. Pep Guardiola doesn't do that. Pep Guardiola had Mikel Arteta, an upstart, sitting next to him on the bench because he had good ideas. And he always wants to have the best people around him. He works more like a corporate CEO. Jurgen Klopp, another one. You know, he has good people around him um, that challenge him if need be. I don't think Arteta's got that. And when when that is a feature of your personality, that you surround yourself with um, people that are sycophants, that only ends one way. Um, and that's that's my concern. The only and uh, listen, I, I don't I, I'm, I don't want to start talking about sacking Arteta. Um, but I know I know a lot of fans will. But if he goes on a really bad run, um, sometimes that can spill over into the next season. Like uh, Unai Emery, uh, Unai Emery, who everybody like goes back to. Unai Emery was a fucking disaster, and it doesn't matter what anybody says. He was a disaster behind the scenes. Um, he couldn't master uh, the English language. He had communication problems. Um, it was a mess behind the scenes, and he was lucky to get the amount of points that he got in the first season. That's why he didn't get a deal in the summer. But the collapse spilled over into the next season and then he was gone because the players didn't believe that he had the tools to carry them forward. Arsenal, Arsenal aren't getting smashed by teams out here. You know, these last three games have been a, a lot of bad luck. We're still in the run. I don't think it's the same thing. But if you lose the next three games, then you start to get into Emery territory where the players might smell a little bit of blood in the water. Um, and the only the only positive that comes out the back of it is, you know, like, Certain managers go into clubs and they they set the they set the tone they set some some base level standards and you know they leave the, the club in a better condition than they found it. I think Louis like managers always used to like going in after Louis Van Gaal because at the very least you would have an extremely disciplined team uh, going into it that would work hard in training. So I don't think that you know however this season ends like we're we're in good shape. We've got a good young squad. They've been well coached. Um, you know, they understand a, a, like a very developed view of, of football. So somebody else can pick up the slack. Um, but I quite like to see him just get it right. Beat Chelsea. Do something surprising against the big teams. Um, do something creative um, that, that we don't, that, you know, that we don't expect. It's just like, it, it just feels like these last three games, it's the same thing over and over again. And it's, um, I, I mean, know, just flatlining me. I mean, let's let's because obviously this has been a really depressing fifty minutes. Uh, if we beat Chelsea, we, we've got a good chance of getting fourth. I would say, 
after all of that don't do it don't do it after all after all of that and i know that sounds like the craziest thing because i just didn't want to end by going it's just a slow we're basically just sinking to the bottom of the ocean and bleeding out on the floor and all that stuff and and i don't think we're going to do that i don't think we're going to beat chelsea but if we do then you know we're 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 level on we're with what are we we're level on points you, you know, like you say, you always go like, crazy things happen in football. I don't feel enough good crazy things happen to Arsenal, especially not in the last five years. You know, like, where is our crazy moment? Like, like where, where's our four, you know, like scoring four against Chelsea after going one, one nil down at, at Stamford Bridge? We haven't had, we don't have a lot of those games. Everything is very predictable. We never come back. There's, there hasn't been a miracle this no, season, but if we if but if we if we win on Wednesday, we're level on we're level with Spurs on points, and the morale's high again. And we got United at the weekend, and the fans are up for it. Again, that's not going to happen. However, if it did, <laughs> oh my word, it would yeah. be though, wouldn't it? It would, yeah, it would be it would be wild. But Arteta needs that, doesn't he? he like the, something has to come of these next three games, and it can't be one point. Well, there's no point in doing the same thing again and, and losing 2-0 in a relatively conservative, straightforward performance where we miss a couple of chances. We have to go and we have to beat Chelsea. And if we do, we're back on track. And I think that's that's the piece that I think everyone's forgetting is as, one, we were in such a great position because we managed to lose three games and still only be three points off fourth with a game in hand. That is, that is just what a good position we'd put ourselves in. The second thing is football does change very, very quickly. And all it takes is one result. And it could have been today. I actually have put, if we, you, you, you look back and you go, if we'd won today, we're in, we're, we'd, we're, be, we'd be popping champagne right now. We'd, we'd still be in a great place. Um, but it's, it's, you know, we're, we're still in it. I mean, I mean, now United and West Ham are in it as well. Uh, they've all clawed, clawed their way back in, but uh, Wednesday now is Wednesday now is huge. Yeah, I know. I just uh, I don't. Know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's depressing because you know like, <laughs> we could, but we won't. <laughs> we won't. We won't. But uh, but sometimes you know, like you always say, like never, never doubt the Arsenal. Never, and... ever, ever, ever underestimate the Arsenal FC. Well, the chips are really down. And Chelsea, you know, remember Chelsea don't have anything to play for, and they just. But that's, out a, the but that's also that subject of belief, right? Because I think George Graham and Arsene Wenger, in completely different ways, gave their team a lot of belief. Um, but I like I just don't see it in the same way. It feels like I don't. Yeah, you never you never feel like you know you never saw, saw the with twenty minutes to go that, that we could get two goals or two goals in the last five minutes and turn it on its head because that's all it's going to take it's the, the crazy thing I think about football is it's just one spark it can be a, and you, you know at, at, a, at, a, at a micro level it's a tackle uh, can change a game you know when you're at home and you're a goal down but someone goes in and wins the ball and runs sprints the length of the pitch and the whole fans the whole atmosphere can change and I think it could be a goal it could be some type of action it could be a result but yeah we need that we need that moment that gives everyone the belief that this season is not over and the longer it goes on then the more likely it is that it's over but it's still there 
you know, it's still there's. Still we are limping. I would take. I would take a, a really disgusting Gabriel Shank, or, oh. or, or a rebound of Granite Jacker's face. Like we just haven't had a, a horrible win where you come out after and like we were terrible. You remember that? Like I think it was Liverpool that we beat in Arteta's first season, and they absolutely battered us. And I think Reese Nelson scored the goal. Reese Nelson yeah. and Lacazette. And they, they absolutely battered us. And it was disgusting. It was the stinkiest performance ever. But, you but, know, but yeah, I loved and, it. And I, I, would lo- it. I would have loved it if after the game today, Arteta went in and said, every single person out there, every media outlet, every pundit, every this, every that, thinks we are done. And we're going to show them <laughs> yes. we are not done. We're not done. We are taking fourth because it is rightfully ours. We've worked hard all this fucking season. We're going after it. We're starting yes. with Chelsea on Wednesday. We're going to beat them. We've got seven games to go. It's going to be brilliant because all those people are going to end up with egg on their face when we win the fourth place shit off against Tottenham at White Hart Lane. Are you in or are you out? Get yes. on it. And that's what we need to do. But instead, it will be like, oh, well, I was worried about, you know, we weren't in the the territory box 14 as much as we should have been. And <laughs> Nuno, you should yeah. have. You, your body shape was wrong when you were receiving the ball. Fuck that. It's time to move on. We, we've, got, we've got to get after this. You know, we're in a decent position. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And I, I love all the people in the comments. They've been battering Arsenal all game. And now they're like, we can do it. <laughs> we can do it. Yeah. And, but, there's, but this is the thing. Arteta, if you want to be considered as one of the hottest young managers around, you've got to perform. You've got to show up. It can't be have like you know we we've got into this situation where we're like we're missing four first team players and this is just what happens. No, you got a squad of players, you got to make it work. And Chelsea would be a, a you know Chelsea is an opportunity, not not something to fear. Yeah, we we've all screw this victim culture. You know, oh we're missing our fullbacks and we don't have a striker. No, we don't need them. We've got fullbacks. We've got Nuno Tavares. He's brilliant. We've got Cedric Suarez. That Portuguese international. Martinelli's going to come in. He's going to bang goals. You know, it's, it's, we're too accepting of just shit happening to us. And it's time, you know, life isn't fair. We've just got to take what's ours and, uh, and we've got to do it. We've got, we got we to go do. and get fourth. We've got to go and get fourth. We've got, to, well, that was, a, that was a great note to, to end on. It's been a difficult show. Um, uh, we can, we've got the, the top four is, is top four still in our hands? It kind of technically is, right? It's still in our hands. It's still in our hands. Got to win seven games on the bounce. And I tell you, I tell you one thing for sure, Matt. If this was an Arsene Wenger era, you'd be licking your lips. Seven games to go. Oh, top what, four three in points, our hands. Three, point, three points behind Tottenham with a game in hand. Mind the gap. It's ours. That's Wenger, you know, Wenger would be it, on it. It is the history of Tottenham. That's what they say. Spurs will be Spursy. Who would you know? Who would you back every single year to go and do it? We find an internal solution, you know, and that's what we've got to do. It could be why can't Martinelli start in the number nine and score four goals between now and the end of the season that win us major games against rivals? There is nothing to There's say nothing that we that couldn't can do stop. that. Exactly, I agree. I think Mikel Arteta didn't he score the top four ceiling goal once? Was it against Newcastle? He, he scored a, yeah. I think, oh. or maybe it was against Aston Villa. Yeah, he scored a goal that took us to top four one season. He needs to channel that. He needs to sort it himself out because this season's spiraling out of control, and it's in his hands to change the destiny. I, and, and I think uh, that's that, excuses. 
I think we we as Arsenal fans as well need to change the narrative and be and and be much more bullish and go. It's still in our hands. That's the big. That's the big thing. It's if you'd said to us at the beginning of the season with seven games to go, it's going to be in your hands to get top four, and you're going to play Tottenham two games from the end or whatever. Well, you know, you would, you would, uh, you would go for it. Yeah, Matt. I think that we're. Um, you tell that we're succeeding in uh, this YouTube game because people are being mean to me in the comments <laughs> section. It's like, grow up. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for jumping on the podcast. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Because people are, are jiving with your opinion and your sparkly headphones. Uh, you can find me at Matt Candela. I think I'm going to be. Bigging up all Arsenal positivity all week ahead of Wednesday. We'll probably go into a death spiral after that. But uh, what use is it to be miserable and down right now? We have to lift the team up and try and get what's ours. We can't let Tottenham get fourth. We cannot do that. We cannot. Um, And on that positive note, if you are (laughs) listening to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, give us a little five-star review. We might, Matt, we might speak to our Chelsea friend and see if he's interested in doing a preview for the Chelsea game, I don't uh, want to. I don't want to hear. No, Chelsea it'd be too. It'd be too. T- telling us, telling us how, t- telling us how much better they are than us. I think uh, we need yeah. to. We need to go and deliver the goals. We need to beat Chelsea at the bridge, and then we need to have the last laugh. Yeah, speaking to Chelsea fans felt like a fun idea eight days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how t- how how things have changed. Mate, we just that lost to Palace, Southampton, and Brighton. That's that's. Tough. No internet for me today. I'm going to go and have a beer. I hope everybody listening drowns their sorrows tonight and wakes up with the same sort of positivity as Matt Candela. On that note, we will say ciao for now. Ciao for now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Enders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Now in your favorite podcast app, Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.